0: Welcome to You Ask For It number five in our summer series. You ask the questions, we go to God's Word and look for the answers. Question today was Pastor Aaron, you often zero in on a word and what it means in its original language. Can you teach us how to do that through examples that are interesting and relevant to our lives? So let me get this straight show you how to do a word study on a Greek word that is captivating, exciting, and life-changing? No problem. Would you like me to walk on water at the conclusion of the sermon as well? Okay, all kidding aside, words are indeed powerful. The full understanding and meaning of a word can and does profoundly change the direction of a person's life. Don't believe me? Think of the powerful change that happens to the son who has been working his whole life to try and win the approval of his father. Think of the power when the father realizes and said, Son, I've always been proud of you and the man you become. One word, proud. And the change in the son will be profound. My mom and dad actually wrote me a card like that for Father's Day this year. Very impactful. The words we say to each other are indeed powerful. But stop and think about what the Bible actually is. The true words of God Himself. Talk about powerful and alive. These words are profoundly life changing. All right, you ready to dive in and explore a couple key words? Our vision statement as a church is to love God, love others, and serve the world. I preached on our vision the last two September, so if you've been around for those, you know this vision statement isn't based on just. Stuff we made up out of thin air. This is based on passages from the Bible. The idea of love God and love others comes in part from a scene in Matthew chapter 22, when an expert in the law, attempts to trap Jesus. I'm going to start in Matthew 22 verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question: "Teacher. Which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now when I read those verses with an eye to some words I would like to know more about, three instantly pop out at me probably do for you as well. We're told by Jesus as he quotes the book of Deuteronomy to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. So what specifically do each of those words mean? How exactly would I look up those three words and find out the richer, fuller, and deeper sense of them so I can understand the command of Jesus better? Well, step one, we need to choose the verse. That's verse thirty-seven, that contains our three words. Then we have our three words: heart, soul, and mind. Then we go to a free website. Anybody can do this anytime. It's called BibleGateway.com. And in the top left search box, you type in Matthew chapter twenty-two. Then to the right, there's a drop-down menu. That's the mounts reverse interlinear New Testament. Obvious question, what the heck is an interlinear? It simply means it puts the English on one line and the original Greek that it was written in directly above or below it so that you can correspond the English word and the Greek word. Basically, it saves you having to learn Greek. Then you go to the word you want. In our case, it's the word heart. Turns out to be cardia in Greek, where we get the idea of cardiac. We might say a cardiac unit in a hospital or cardiac arrest. Simply the Greek word for heart. In this case, you click on that word. Both the English and the Greek will be together. Click on that word. Then scroll up to the top right. And magic it has given you a summary of the Greek word. If you look at the last line, it says, see everywhere cardia appears in the New Testament. I've indicated the little red arrow. You click there, and then you get a summary. And this is what it says. Heart, mind, it's the seat of thought or emotion. The heart was thought to be the seat of the inner self, composed of life Soul, mind, and spirit. Heart is similar in meaning to soul, but often the heart has a focus on thinking and understanding. So then I summarize that to be heart as the seat of physical, spiritual, mental life, as center and source of our whole inner life, especially of love. We're really starting to get that deeper, richer sense of the word. Now, if you've been around Ocean View Community Church for any length of time, you know we just don't teach and preach in order to acquire more head knowledge. We are convicted that it needs to be applied to our lives. Therefore, we need to ask the question, okay, now that I understand it, what change would that make in my life? So I've summarized it this way. Therefore, to love God with all of your heart equals putting God as the seat or base of your physical life, your spiritual life, and your mental life. Put God as the center and source of your whole inner life, especially of your love. Wasn't that worth the effort? We zeroed in on what it meant to love God with all of our heart. We used a free online program that anyone, anywhere, anytime can have access to. You can certainly do the same thing with books. just takes a little bit more knowledge. So now that I've discerned the meaning of the word and how it applies to our lives as followers of Jesus, now I take some time and ponder... How exactly does this apply to my life? So the first aspect, is God the center of my physical life? That question has some practical implications. Let me start with God at the center of my physical life. If it's indeed that God is true, that God is the creator of my body, if I am mainlining a box of donuts every week, if I am drinking Red Bull full of caffeine until my heart starts fluttering, and the most exercise I do is from the couch to the fridge, I think it would be safe to say God is not at the center of my physical life. Okay, now let's switch the second aspect that we learned about, the meaning of the word heart in our verse. God is the center of my spiritual life. Now, if you were going to chapters and you're looking in their spiritual self-help section, then I think it's safe to say God is not at the center of your spiritual life. I typed that in and up came this book, The Dharma of Modern Mindfulness. It's essentially a light form of Buddhism stylized or, or adapted for rich North American people. And that's great if you're into that, but that is not putting the God, not as not putting the Christian faith at the center of your spirituality. Then we think about the idea that God is the center of our mental life. If your thoughts are obsessed with anger or revenge or lust or greed, again, I think it's safe to say God is not at the center of your mental life. I joked at the beginning of the sermon that doing a word study was not thrilling. But I hope you're seeing it actually is, and furthermore, it is something you can do yourself. My job as a pastor is to equip you with the tools and skills to grow spiritually. This is one tool for your tool belt. So, putting it all together, God at the center of my physical life ultimately means respecting his creation and caring for it. That's the positive that we should be striving after. Putting God at the center of my spiritual life means I don't follow the hot self-help book at the moment, but instead I build a relationship with God as he reveals himself in the pages of the Bible. Putting God at the center of my mental life means I stop focusing on the bad, the anger, revenge, lust, and greed, and instead focus on God's attributes, peace, justice, kindness, goodness, love. So to summarize all that, we have discovered about what it means to love God with all of our heart, our cardia, means that body, spirit, and mind with God at the center. And that equals health and growth and vitality. Love God with all of your heart. Now we move to our second point, love God with all of our soul. What does it truly mean to love God with all of our soul? Good question. Let's do our little routine we're learning. We go to BibleGateway.com. We type in Matthew 22 in the left box. We go to the drop-down menu, choose Mounts, Reverse, Interlinear, New Testament. And then we look down to verse 37, our verse, and we click on the word soul, which turns out to be the Greek word psuche. Once we've clicked on that, we scroll up to the top right. We see a summary. We go to the last line. Everywhere Tsuke appears in the New Testament. You click on that, and boom, you've got a summary. Here's what it says. Life, soul, heart, mind, a person, the immaterial and eternal part of the inner person, often meaning the animate self. It can be translated by the pronouns, my soul equals I, myself. Now we've got something to work with. Therefore, to love God with all of your soul means choosing to accept Jesus as Savior and Lord is an eternal choice. Loving God with all our soul outlasts the life we will live on earth right now. It is loving God with the eternal part of us. That's a solid summary. Now that is only part of the story. When we die, our soul goes to heaven and we are in the presence of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. At some point in the future, Jesus is coming back, wrapping up history, and at that moment, we will all be resurrected. We don't stay a disembodied soul. It's a transformed body for sure that will last for all eternity, but it is in continuity. With the one we have now. Jesus is our example, first one in all of history to be resurrected. People still knew who Jesus was, they could recognize him, but at the same time, that body had no limitations. He walked through a locked door, appeared in one place, and then instantly in another. All right, now that we've learned what that means, we apply it to ourselves. I love God with all of my heart the seat of my emotions, my physical, spiritual, mental life right now. I love God with all of my soul. It's the eternal part of me, first in heaven, but eventually resurrected in a new body. Bottom line, for all eternity, I don't stop loving God when I die, and he doesn't stop loving me. That is a very significant thought. And I think that takes a little bit of the anxiousness or fear away from people the end of their lives, lying in the hospital bed. Death is simply a doorway. Again, we don't stop loving God, and he doesn't stop loving us just because we die. That is a perspective changer. Now we come to our third and final word. We're going to love God with our minds. It's a powerful and brilliant three-part strategy. Heart, soul, and mind. Alright, by now we are getting the routine. But just to ensure the steps get cemented into our brains, here we go again. We go to BibleGateway.com. We type Matthew 22 into the left box. We go to the drop-down menu. We choose Mounts, Reverse, Interlinear. We go down to verse 37, and we find the word Mind, which turns out in Greek to be Dianoia. You click on that word. You go to the top right. There's the summary, you click on the last line, everywhere everywhere, Deanoia appears in the New Testament, and you get the summary, which is mind, thinking, understanding. This is a part of the inner person that thinks and processes information into understanding, including the making of choices, thought, intention, the mind, intellect. You know, critics and skeptics over the years have said, well, if you're going to become a Christian, you need to check your brain at the door. Christians don't think, they just blindly believe. Well, A, that's simply not true, and B, these very words of Jesus boldly command us to love God with all of our mind, When we purposely choose to glorify the God who made us with all of the intellect we've been given, all of the understanding, all of our informed decisions look out unbelieving world because it cannot help but be impacted by such followers of Jesus. Many of you have seen the classic Mel Gibson film Braveheart. Early on in the movie it portrays William Wallace as a child. His mother has already passed away and his father dies in battle when he is 10. His uncle Argyle shows up to take care of him. Argyle a learned man and William Wallace doesn't uh, Sorry, his uncle Argyle doesn't, or William Wallace doesn't realize it as a child, but his uncle is actually going to give him a far better education than he would have otherwise received. In the church service, we're watching two video clips. As you listen online, I'm simply going to summarize for them, since you wouldn't get to see them. You can look them up on YouTube if you want. Essentially, Wallace picks up a sword, and his uncle takes the sword from his hand and he taps him on the forehead and he says, I'll teach you to use the sword, but first I'm going to teach you to use this. And he taps him on the head. We have to love God with all of our minds. Many people choose not to use their minds to make this a better world. Some tragically don't use their God-given intellect in ways that God tells us at all. They sit around thinking up computer viruses and new ways to steal your credit card information from a secure website, better ways to market pornography. Instead of using our brilliance for evil, Jesus calls us to use our minds for good. Use our, the power of our minds to love God. Professor Jason DeRauchi in an article reminds us, some have tagged the supreme command of Matthew 22, the all command, because of the threefold all. shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. There is no room here for divided affections or allegiance. That's the ultimate result of loving God with all of our heart. We now know in the Greek, it's the word kardia, in all of its depth and riches with all of our soul. We know that psuche, and with all of our mind, dianoia. The physical, spiritual, mental, all coming together in a beautiful harmony. I think a little word study is a profitable thing. Let's be people that strive to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And as the rest of the verse says, love your neighbor as yourself. We as a church strive after those two loves, God and neighbor, and the impact we make around us will be an incredible thing. Amen? Amen.